Sometimes you should do the touristy things. Like sometimes they're super popular for a reason. Welcome to the new Nomad podcast hosted by Alan and Andrew of Insured Nomads. Join us as Alan and Andrew interview and explore the community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Tune in to incredible discussions with thought leaders each week that will help you take full advantage of the cross-border remote work lifestyle. Now, here are your hosts. Welcome to the new Nomad. We have a really interesting guest today, Eric, otherwise known as Nomad on Fire. And, and fire in this case does not mean burning the house down. It means financial independence, retire early. Uh, will be with us today to share some of his lifetime optimization strategies, some of his learnings, etc. Really exciting to to hear his thoughts today. But before we do that, I'd like to bring in my co-host Andrew Jernigan, who himself has been on fire in different ways. Uh, but we were both reflecting upon how important it is to prospectively get your financial house in order because it does give you so much more opportunity for freedom of travel, expression, et cetera. How are you doing today, Andrew? Doing well. It's a fun day in my world. And as I have, as we broach this topic, think about things that Eric will probably bring to mind. My mind flashes back 20 years almost as I was preparing to for to go to live for a while in Ghana, West Africa. And the group plan that I was given gave just a tiny bit of life insurance for myself and even less for my wife. And I went out to my corner agent trying to get life insurance everywhere. Decline, 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 because those applications said, are you going to be outside your home country for more than two weeks in the next year? And I was thinking, man, I want to protect my wife and kids if I die. I was young. You know, I had a three-month-old Well, not at the time. She wasn't even born yet. But I was preparing to go to Ghana. When we moved to Ghana, she was three months old. I had my will. I had my power of attorney. I had left with a family member. I had all these things as we left this international, I mean, this life in my home country for skipping continents nonstop for the next 20 years. And so many times we live for the moment and we don't think ahead. So it's going to be fun. You've been very intentional, Alan. As you've traveled the world, you're very wise with how you live life and how you think of those that you have around you. I want to hear your thoughts on this. Well, sometimes I could be accused of being cheap. So I'll, I'll just leave it at that. The, uh, you, um, said you said it. But the, you know, the, it's, it's all intentional in the sense of, so I've been able to visit 70 countries. You look for great bargains. You save your money. You live below your means. I, I, one of my favorite books was The Millionaire Next Door, where you, know, you don't need to change a car out every three years. I'd rather drive an old car and then go on an around the world trip. That's why I think it's going to be so exciting to have this conversation today because, you know, there's some lessons to be learned. And I'll just share one lesson that my dad gave me that I think was fantastic when I first got out of college. He says, Alan, there's two types of people. There's a type of person that always owes money. And there's always the type of person who has their money make money. You probably want to be on the make money side of things because it'll give you a lot more flexibility. Yeah, that was right after you'd spent the better part of a year in England, right, Alan? That's right. That's right. But I will say this, with my first few dollars, I opened up a mutual fund in 1988. I won't go into dollar cost averaging here. And then what I also learned from Eric is, you know, he saves as much as 60% and invests. And, you know, this is something that's, you know, incredibly important. And I can say this today, it really makes a lot more freedom now that your money's making me money than the work. And let's bring Eric into the conversation. I know we're putting a lot, lot out there, but 
Eric, I, I know we give a lot, a lot to start with here. He is but, on fire. But you are on fire. Give us some sparks. That's right. We'd, we'd love to hear how you made this work and some of the tips for our folks. And I, I hope we, we didn't go out down any primrose paths here in our beginning, but I would love your feedback on some of our thoughts. Well, first off, thanks for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. This will be a blast. Yeah, love some of the things that y'all brought up. I would say for me, originally, you know, started working, graduated from college, had a decent savings. You know, I contributed my 401k and had a Roth IRA and maybe some some cash uh, savings on the side. But then mid to late 2015, I found out about financial independence. I was just kind of mindlessly, you know, scrolling through yeah. Facebook one day and found an article about it. Uh, probably wouldn't recommend that for the listeners. But in this case, helped me out and would say totally changed the uh, trajectory of my life. So with that, it was also kind of perfect timing because I also just a few months later received a pretty large promotion at work. And with that, had the opportunity to move to Austin, Texas. So I did a few things. Uh, yeah, you kind of mentioned you know avoiding lifestyle inflation. I think that's a huge one. That was a big one, especially for me, because I would say I'm a natural spender. Okay. So I really had to educate myself, I guess, and really had to try to develop, you know, a new mindset around money and around spending and realizing just from previous life experience that buying material things, you know, wasn't going to make me any happier, but kind of having this vision in my mind of what the future could hold in terms of time freedom, travel, being able to spend time with family and friends that kind of kept me going and I was able to maybe not buy some of those material things. But a few, I guess, maybe actionable things uh, in terms of lifestyle inflation. Lived with my brother, which was a great opportunity. So having a roommate is an awesome way to save uh, save some money. And we lived in an apartment that was in a great location in Austin, not quite downtown, but just uh, south of downtown. So just being that, I don't know what it was, quarter, half mile south is probably $500 less in, in rent a month. So that was a big way to save money. You mentioned car before. That was a huge one for me. I would say my favorite kind of car is, is one that gets me from point A to point B and is paid off. So I don't have a monthly car payment. That was a big one. I think some other things, I just tried to make it a game, I would say. Like I you know, would analyze my spending at the end of every month and just kind of challenge myself and see where I was spending in areas and then just kind of evaluate, hey, is this really bringing me you know, happiness or more joy in my life? If the answer was no, then see if there's a way that I could cut back or cut that out. You know, it's interesting is maybe I'll, Ask it this way. Do you also think there's a bit of a generational thing in the sense that, like, I looked at my dad's generation, obviously, depression, save, save, save. Then you had the baby boomers to a certain extent, for fortunate way the economy picked up, but they were spend, spend, spend. And then I see even my kids now, they're like, you know, we really want to save and get ahead of things. Talk a little bit about that. I mean, I think there's a different mindset between acquiring tons of stuff versus acquiring experiences and what people save for. Yeah, I've I've talked about that with a few other folks. I think that is an interesting dynamic and in, in something, I don't know if it's, you know, yeah, if it's a generational thing, it did seem like maybe the boomer generation, it was, you know, a successful life was kind of having those material things, right? Who has the biggest house, who has the nicest cars, kind of the fanciest things where 
yeah, I don't know if it's the millennial generation and just some of the things that have happened in my lifetime and and everything growing up. But yeah, I guess it just seemed to me maybe the advent too of the internet and remote work. You know, there's I think a lot of factors at play. But it always just you know even early in my career, I think after my first year of work, I knew that some sort of X salary or X job title like wasn't going to make me happy and fulfilled in my life. I wanted those experience in terms of travel and just having that freedom to just relax and spend time with with family and friends and just kind of enjoy life. If someone was wanting to l- learn more about fire, what are the top three things you would tell them? You you did say don't go to Facebook and learn. You know, where, where <laughs> would you say? Because some people hearing this, they may be expats already living overseas. They may be that team member saying, okay, we've got folks, remote team members that they want to, you know, nudge, say, hey, check this out as say you're trying to help people in financial responsibility with a sudden you know new role as country manager in some some new environment. Fire is is a new concept, new thought for many people that are listening today. Yeah, just in terms of what I would share with people or or some resources. Yeah, resources uh what if someone is new to this concept, you know, mm-hmm. other than going to Facebook and searching for a group, how would you advise someone to learn more about it? And even are you a coach in this area? Tell us about, you know, how do you advise folks? Yeah, I mean, I haven't specifically coached anyone, but that's definitely something I would be really interested in in doing in the future potentially. I mean, there's some great podcasts and blogs out there. Mr. Money Mustache is one of the most uh, popular ones. He's got a lot of great content. I guess for me, what really helped is kind of just immerse myself in that information in any way possible. Like I would say I was obsessed, just so passionate about it. I would spend my time on weekends reading any article about financial independence or adjacent to it. I had a long commute at the time and I would just queue up my podcast with a ton of financial independence content. I think the the basics is you just, you have a, a large enough nest egg or you have a cash flow that work at some point, right, becomes optional to you. A lot of people seems have found quick success with real estate. For me, I guess I went down the more traditional path of kind of like the 4% rule and just investing in like low cost uh, index funds, trying to build that nest egg. And then, you know, based on the 4% rule, if you withdraw 4% of your portfolio, however much you have amassed, you know, you could withdraw from that in perpetuity. So I kind of went more of the stocks route, but there's definitely some interesting ways that people, even on, you know, lower salaries have found ways to be frugal and just you know, save and invest and and reach financial independence. It's interesting you mentioned that because then you and I are pretty congruent in the sense that I always felt that index funds were a tremendous way, low cost. And obviously the stock market over a long period of time has returned much more than you would expect from bonds or other things. The interesting little codicil that I might add is I took 10% of my money and I made it my own venture fund. You know, you take a little bit of a risk. You know, perfect example is if you're early into a REIT like public storage, that can really ex- explode your returns. And this is about people's personal experience. My God, this computer is fantastic from this company called Apple. Maybe I would like to just buy a few shares. So maybe a quick, you, you know, mentioned, I, I was listening to your podcast where you talked about personal relationships, but I also think about personal relationships lead to investing. A lot of my best investment ideas came from people who I like and I talked to and they're like, you know what? We loved staying at La Quinta Hotels. And I'm like, I know nothing about La Quinta Hotels. 
And then you look up and you see it's like two bucks a share. Got a good network. You saved a lot. What do you think about venturing and maybe and being aggressive once you get to a certain area that you say, you know what? If I really believe in this one, this could make a big difference. Yeah, I think that's a great piece of advice. I I agree completely. I've told people the same. You know, I think 10% sounds like a good number. Just in terms of, I think that can keep it fun as well, right? I think a lot of the recommendations I would give is, you know, you should try to automate those savings and investments as much as possible. But just to, you know, yeah, things that you personally like, if anything, really, I don't know, crypto, I'm personally not invested in crypto, or like if your friend or a family member is starting a business, I think keeping like, 10% 10% for more of that like fun investing I would call it or things that are a little bit more risky, you know, they could go way up, they could go way down. Yeah, I think that's a, a great piece of advice. What do you think Eric? You have to be prepared in that venture fund to lose it too. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for every winner, there's an Eastman Kodak out there waiting that seems solid and but it it is an interesting approach. Now, when you've been able to travel. I take it you do it in a a manner that's not extravagant, but really probably allows you to get into the cultures more. Share a little bit about when you travel and, and how you put your knowledge to work there too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm a big fan of just like renting an Airbnb. So just a, an apartment in a city, you know, you can find some some great deals, I would say on that. Some places, you know, if you book off of Airbnb as well, or if you negotiate with a host, you can get some some great deals, especially for extended stay. If you're doing a month plus, you might be able to find some good deals there. Yeah. I mean, I try to live, I would say like a, a local as, as much as, as possible, cook meals at home or, you know, just eat local uh, foods in, in the area. Yeah. That's pretty much it. Definitely more of, of a s- slower travel type of thing. I want to feel like I'm, I'm living in that place, but then it's still, what's cool is like, you know, say if, if you're you know from the U S right. And you live in Austin, you could do you know, you could do side trips to, I don't know, Houston or, or Dallas or something. But if you go somewhere across the world, right, and you make Chiang Mai, Thailand, your home base, I went to uh, Cambodia as a side trip. Flights, I think, were only like $40. So there's so many cool places that you can see and things that you can experience that are, I would say, A, cheap and also B, just very close, depending on you know what uh, area of the world you're in. You hit on something that resonates with me because so many times, so much of the money goes into food of, oh, where can I find the best American hamburger in X city? And you spend 25 bucks on a hamburger that tastes strange versus why not go ahead and spend three bucks where locals eat instead of searching out where your countrymen might eat. If it's an Irish pub and you want some Guinness pie, you're going to spend a fortune for it in Chiang Mai compared to going and getting an incredible wrap that locals made for next to nothing. Searching out for your Guinness because it's good for you is going to cost you a fortune compared to buying that Brazilian beer that's going to be dirt cheap. Thinking differently than thinking the same way in all these applications that we've just talked about. I always travel the very best airline possible. Why not travel the budget airline when you're in some country? It's not like you got to have your United points or your Lufthansa point to get from Chiang Mai to Vietnam. It's shifting the way we think, whether it is going local of saying, you know, I'm going to go to Target versus Tide at Target, 16 bucks when the grocery store right next to Target sells it for $9.99 for Tide. It's just thinking differently really has a domino effect in every aspect of our life, whether it's going to the thrift store and getting a, a really great pullover for 10 bucks or grabbing it for 78 bucks 
at the really cool sports shop for the exact same one. So shifting our behavior takes reprogramming, doesn't it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, definitely, definitely agree with that. And I, I think an important piece that you mentioned is is kind of those small changes, right? If you save, you know, five or six bucks on the Tide Pods, that might not seem like much. But once you start finding those opportunities everywhere, it compounds and grows and grows. And then if you're funneling those savings, you know, towards investments, it's amazing to see how that continue to snowball and, and build relatively quickly. So you talked about automating your savings. Was that more along the lines of like a dollar cost averaging approach? Just explain it to somebody who's a real layperson on how you do that. Yeah, you get some some benefits of dollar cost averaging, right? You're having those consistent investments. You know, I, mine were on a monthly basis. I think the biggest thing, I guess for me, in regards to that though, was more psychological. Like I always tell people, if if you're a natural spender, it's so hard if you have that money sitting in your account and then you wait until the end of the month, let me see how much is left and then I'll determine what I'm going to invest, right? Where if it's automatically withdrawing, it hits your checking account and then right away it goes out to an investment account you never see that money, right? So you never feel like, oh, I could go treat myself to a steak dinner, you know, whatever it is, right? So I think psychologically it helps because you're not seeing that money in your account and you know that it's automatically getting taken out and then you don't have to, yeah, you don't have to worry about it. See, I think it's a great approach. And by the way, back to the, just kind of the thought of, of traveling efficiently. And you mentioned you've been to Cambodia. I remember flights through certain areas are like, you, to your point, $40. If you're working out of a, a hub and a spoke, you, you might get to see a lot of different areas and, and it's mostly on the local airlines. Now there's a fine line you want to make sure it's an airline that uh, has a good safety record, et cetera. But, um, you know, w- when you traveled about, which, which leads me to a, a question is, you know, you've, you've done a lot of unique things. So could you share with our nomad family, our remote listening family out there, maybe an overlooked person, place, or experience you would suggest that our listeners uh, discover? Yeah. Am I able to Am I able to answer all three? You can do all three. That'd be fantastic. You got it, Eric. You, you got, got it. it. We want to hear it. I don't know if he's overlooked, but I really like Johnny FD. He has a podcast called uh, Travel Like a Boss. Probably not overlooked. He's He's got you know a lot of uh, followers. He runs a, uh, I think, biannual like Nomad Summit. I was able to attend one uh, at the beginning of last year in Chiang Mai. That was a lot of fun. Um, but he has a great backlog of podcast episodes. Like I think he's been recording since maybe 2015 or 2016. So early I on. Love- yeah. Early on. Yeah. So he was one of the first people that I found about that was kind of talking about a digital nomad lifestyle and more of mainstream. So I think there's some some great, you know, interesting content there. Place, I really enjoyed Medellin, Colombia. That's one of probably next travel destinations. I, I really want to go back there. Just great weather, friendly people, good food. If you're from the US, right? I think sometimes people's perception of Colombia is still that it's a very, you know, dangerous place, right? There's, you know, narcos on Netflix and all this stuff. I would say that I was amazed by like how safe I felt and and just kind of the the culture and just the friendliness and, you know, how welcoming uh, people were there. You know, not the cheapest place in the world, but still very affordable, I would say. Like you can get a very nice brand new apartment with like a rooftop pool, right? So you're not sacrificing anything in terms of luxury or quality of life, but it's only like $800 a month, right? So that's probably 
way more affordable than what you're going to find in any major US city. And then experience. Somebody told me this though, and I'm going to steal it. I thought it was good. Usually people are like, oh, you shouldn't do you know, the touristy things because everyone does the touristy things in this area. But I'm going to say, depending on what it is, sometimes you should do the touristy things. Like sometimes they're super popular for a reason, right? Machu Picchu, if people go to Peru, everyone goes to Machu Picchu, right? But I went to Machu Picchu and it was awesome. Like it was way cooler than I even thought it would be. So sometimes even if it's super touristy and everyone does it, you should still go do it. Absolutely. I'm I'm on there with you. It's it's one of those things of one, regrets. You know, I can't believe I went there, but I didn't do that or something. Johnny D, you mentioned him. Uh, I know he's living this fire lifestyle and is he just bought his house in Kiev. I saw that. You know, yeah. After all the things of considering Portugal, considering different places, here he is in Kiev with his own place. So think outside the box is my suggestion to people because you may find that cultures and environments aren't as green on that side of the fence as you thought they were. Even this whole lifestyle of living in another country may not be what you're cut out for. It may be better that you move from one side of your own country to another than to leave countries. Having that awareness, self-awareness, and growing professionally, growing personally is so crucial as we move from country to country, isn't it? So yeah. yeah. Love it. Where can people find you? Social media. I follow you on Instagram. You've got the podcast. Tell everybody else where that is. I appreciate it. Thank you. Yeah. Nomad on Fire, uh, nomadonfire.com. Don't post as many any, as many blog articles as as I used to. The main thing is is the podcast comes out every week, so Nomad on Fire podcast. Check it out on you know all the major platforms, and then yeah, social media. I would say I'm most active on Instagram. It's just Nomad on Fire on on Instagram as well. Really helpful. A fantastic. A, a new concept for me: financial independence, retire early. I think it's something that many of us can aspire to. You know, as you continue to see the studies that a lot of people want to work for themselves or they want to have more control of their own destiny. Kudos to you for helping lead us down that path because I think that's something that that many of us are are very interested in on things. I learned a lot today. So thank you, Eric. And I and I will uh, continue to listen to your podcast. I think it's tremendous. So Andrew, we had a, a quite a good discussion today. Talk to me about what we learned today. And, and maybe before you mention, I will hearken one thing he said. I was able to travel to Colombia just before COVID. And I back up exactly what he says. Uh, I was a lot of people like, you're going to Colombia. It's so dangerous and scary. And, you know, doing the research and due diligence, you know, I felt very comfortable. It was a wonderful experience. Bogota, Cartagena, and just the cost of living was excellent. The food was excellent. The people were marvelous. Frankly, the biggest issue they had there was a lot of people coming across from Venezuela trying to get away from that situation, which is horrible. I really want to back up Eric's comment that if you've got to go travel somewhere, Colombia is a pretty good spot. And I like that. So that's what I learned today, Andrew. Take it away and what you learned, my friend. Automate. Start early. Eliminate and change your patterns of buying. Change your behavior. Do what it takes to reprogram and reset. I think he's a great proof. The people he brings on his podcast are as well. Listen and fertilize your brain with the things that he puts out there because it's good stuff, guys. Tune in to Nomad on Fire podcast. This is all about him today. So it's been great to have him on, talk him, listen, learn, 
and apply it in your lifestyle, folks. Thanks again for joining us. So thank you for joining us and living the location-independent lifestyle. Please subscribe to The New Nomad and leave a great review. It helps other in our community to find out about the podcast. Uh, if you want to learn more, you can go to thenewnomad.net or insurednomads.com. Please keep sharing. Please keep traveling and stay well. And we look forward to talking to you again. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to The New Nomad Podcast where we bring together an incredible community of people and ideas that embody the nomadic spirit. Please remember to subscribe and leave a review. For more amazing tips to help you take advantage of the cross-border lifestyle, please visit us at insurednomads.com forward slash podcast. See you next week.